welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 17, and it's verses 20 through to 37. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will, you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man on his day will be like lightning, which, flash, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Amen. Well, my name's Jonathan, one of the team here at Seeds, and I have the privilege of opening part of uh, chapter 17 uh, for you and to see where God is speaking to us. Um, this, is a, this is a slightly complicated passage, as you just heard, and uh, I risk uh, offending some of you uh, with my interpretation here, so that be as it may. I want to, though, give some clarity around things that are open to speculation and to worry and to give us some hope that all that we see going on amongst us at this moment is not all that there is. Sounds good? You with me? Okay, good. A couple of quick things before I pray. Uh, the non-bearded version of me uh, is encouraging you to join up with Road to Christmas. Um, so, um, like, seriously, it, it is the most wonderful way we can share the good news of Jesus with our community. And if, if you have a heart to share the good news of Jesus with our community, then join up with Road to Christmas. Come to one and serve at one. Simple as that. It's only two nights in the whole year, uh, and so be a part of it. Secondly, we are recognising that we are now in a very different stage with our children's ministry. And for the last few years, we have been well served uh, by Peter O'Loughlin and Jenna Denholm. And they have loved our kids and served our families so well. And they've blessed us immensely. It, it is our general discernment that uh, going forward in, in the not-too-distant future that we are looking for one person to fulfil that half-time role. 
So, so we're, we're praying and we're now putting it out there. We're praying and we're asking for Jesus to provide that person at this particular moment. And i uh, just let you know that that position description has been and remains on our website. So have a look of that. Uh, lastly, i just let you know that the search for the associate pastor uh, and the young adults pastor, uh, which are two different um, things, uh, is, is certainly underway and is certainly moving. Can I encourage you to keep on praying? There's discernments are happening at this, at this moment. And we are trusting that God will provide for our community. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, speak to us at this moment. We, we desperately want to hear your voice, to know your will for this world, to understand where we stand and how we can partner with what you're doing, to be not afraid, but to be hope-filled. Speak to at this moment, we pray, for we are listening. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. So I want to tackle a pretty solid section of Jesus' teaching that contains very strongly, as you heard from uh, Jasmine's reading, uh, stuff around the end times. And I'm really trying to bring clarity to an issue, and I've I've wrestled very hard over this, and there's a lot that I've missed out, let me tell you. Um, It's an issue that I hear a huge amount of speculation on from from our community and, and broader. And I see a lot of people expending extraordinary amounts of energy, energy trying to wrestle with this. Uh, and um, look, I tell you, I'm, I'm a reasonably simple man, and I see this unfolding quite simply. So I'm t- just dealing with verse 20 to the very end, to verse 37. And, and I want to say this as well, as a follower of Jesus, and like I really want you to hear me when I say this, as a follower of Jesus... You do not need to be afraid. Okay, that's the end of the sermon. Let's come and we'll... Like, like seriously. Let, let me tell you. I'll take my glass off. Let me tell you. God wins. Okay? All right? So that's... Take away the fear. God is in control and God wins. And whether you're watching me online or whether you're here in person, hear that deeply. And understand that no matter what you see in the world, no matter what's going on around us, okay, God is in control and God wins. We don't see it all? Of course not, because guess what? We're not God, are we? Ultimately, God will win. And you do not need to be afraid. For some reason, the subject of the end of time, and it was going to be a short sermon, but I've just now just walked away from my notes, which is really dangerous. For some reason, the subject of the end of the times has the ability, I don't know why, but... But, you know, we're all intelligent people. We, when it comes to the subject at the end of times, we turn off our brains. And we energise our speculation. And, and we make these kooky things up. Like, seriously, I, and I hear it from you. Like crazy things. And all it does, let me tell you the end result of this. All it does is it produces anxiety and confusion and it distracts us. From the beauty of the love of Jesus that he has for us and being integrated into his family. Personally, and and you might find this surprising, I've never given this much thought because I trust in Jesus and I know he will do what is right when the time comes. My faith is in him, not in some process, not in some war that happens over and over again in the Middle East or who might be the Antichrist. Here is my view on the end of time. 
My rule of thumb is to keep our eyes on Jesus at all time and in all things. So that's where I'm coming from. You hear where I'm fairly simple, fairly straightforward. I told you I was a simple man. Okay, so there it is. Now, I can see that in this passage there are distinct parts, and uh, I'm going to address those. So if you've got your Bibles and you flip them over to Luke 17, verse 20 answers the question about the kingdom of God. And sadly, uh, time constraints, I don't have enough time to talk about the beauty of the kingdom of God and the richness of the kingdom of God, as Jesus explained it. But suffice to say that the Pharisees wanted to know when it would come. Why? Why do they want to know that? Because they missed it. Jesus has already brought it and it's standing there right in front of them and they're naive, blind to what's happening. Simply stated, let me give you the definition of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the fullness of the reign of God in the world. When God is fully in control in the world. And, and what, what, what this tells us... Because, see, Jesus has initiated and it has started and it's already ticking away and it's already cooking and it's already involved in the world. It tells us, in a practical sense, that God is deeply involved in the world and he's bringing about his economy, his way of doing things. In, in other words, the kingdom of God, as it, as it emerges and then we'll see it fully resolved in Jesus when he returns, is God restoring the world to the place where it was where there was no sin. It is great news. The kingdom of God working into the world. And we see parts of it. It's, it, it comes and it erupts and, and then we sort of see it dissipate and it comes back again and, and it's confusing, but we have faith and we trust that ultimately this will all be brought to fullness. So, so Jesus is bringing it and while there's not, it was not fully seen, there is enough for us to perceive that it is here. We heard a testimony a couple of weeks ago on this stage about someone who has been healed. And God worked through the process. There, there it is. You see it, you feel it, you know it. It tells us that God is involved in the world. In fact, God is in control of the world much more than we can ever realise. So do you notice that verses 20 and 21 are addressed to the Pharisees and then from verse 22 to the end of the chapter, it's addressed to the disciples. It's almost like this. It's almost like the Pharisees. They don't accept or don't recognise the coming of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is like, what's the point in telling them about what's going to come future? If they can't perceive that at this moment, why give them any more to deal with? Let them work that out first. And then I'll tell the disciples who are already on board with where we're going. My friends, I, I want to implore you to hold on to the faith, to, to, st to stay true to the knowledge that God has got this, that God's got us. Don't be distracted by world events, by rumours of wars and wars, by pandemics, droughts or floods, by social media or other people's well-intentioned intention thoughts. Hold on to the fact that God is in control. And while we might not see it, we have the faith to believe that a God is bigger than the circumstances that we see operating around us. Can you agree with me by saying amen? Amen. 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 That's the truth and that's what we hold on to, isn't it? Firm conviction, foundation that God's got this and God's got us. So let's turn our attention into verse 22 and following. And Jesus is talking about what is coming. And it seems to me that Jesus is making himself very clear 
Now, of course, we know that Jesus has not come back yet, and, and many of us long for that. We, we want to see it. We want things to be made right. So let's just understand and be clear that we are living in the time between his first and his second appearances. And this is an important thing for us to grapple with. And, and I want you to notice a couple of things in this passage, because for many of us, let, let's just be really honest, our life is not going to plan, is it? It's not going to plan for us, not going to plan for our children or our parents or the society in which we live or the, or the world or, or a whole pile of things that we don't have any control of. And, and we know that our life has not turned out like we thought it would. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. That's his phrase for himself. So you could legitimately say, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of Jesus but you will not see it. In other words, what's being said here, what Jesus is telling us here, is that things are going to get tough and you are going to hang out to see Jesus rule the world. And you're going to see anything else but Jesus. But let me keep going. Verse 25. But first he must suffer, that's Jesus, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. It tells me that Jesus had to walk through a deep valley of grief uh, and, um, and being shunned, uh, a valley that was of no joy, a valley of suffering and rejection. That was his road. We know that well. We've heard that story over and over again every Easter. And if that's true for him, then why would, as disciples of Jesus, would we expect anything different? I think Jesus is telling us here something that we should take very careful notice of. And that is this, things are going to get worse before they get better. No, this is not what you want to hear. I should have stopped earlier, shouldn't I? <laughs> but I believe this is what the text is telling us. And I'm being faithful to the text by explaining this. I think this explains a lot of what is going on in life, in our life, and what is going on around us in the world. Things are going to get worse before they get better. And certainly in other passages that Jesus talks about his return, we get this strong sense. I don't know about you, but, but when I meditate on that, when I think about that, that, that makes me relieved when I see what's going on in the world around us. To know that God is not out of control and this whole deal, this whole show is leading somewhere. And yes, they are bad. But one of these days, they're going to get a whole lot better. And we see that in the life of Jesus with his crucifixion. And then guess what? A little bit later, his resurrection and his ascension to glory. Don't be dismayed by what you see about you. Rather, keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. That's and that only is where our hope is found. Let me keep going. Obviously, Jesus sees the disciples as having discernment to perceive both comings, or at least enough to wrestle with both comings. They, they recognised him to start, and he's going, OK, I can trust him with information about the future. Prior to this, Jesus has trained them and sent them out to preach the present reality of the kingdom. Jesus now tells them about the future events when everyone will see the kingdom in its fullness, not glimmers of it or, or pinpricks of light coming through the darkness, but when it's fully exposed. 
And so what we need to understand from this is that there will be a couple of things. Firstly, it will be unmistakable. Secondly, it will be sudden. It will be unmistakable because of its total effect. No, no one is going to need to report it or no one's going to need to put it up on Snapchat or Facebook. Or, uh, you, it'll be all too slow. Here is the thing. Everyone will see it. You won't be able to miss it. It's not like you know, you'll be inside watching the Crows play the grand final again. <laughs> and, and it happens outside and you didn't realise it was going on. Everybody will see it. It's like light and flashes in the sky. Everybody will see it. It won't be like everyone knows and, and you, know, you forgot to get the memo. You've been in a situation like, of course you have. You've all been embarrassed like that. It won't be like that. Jesus is clear. He's saying that everybody will see it. No exceptions. Sometimes I think we seem to have this suspicion that when Jesus returns, we will be unable to really know about it. It's a bit like, I don't know if you saw the media yesterday and this morning, there's a bloke in the Philippines you know, saying that he's, uh, Jesus returned like... And, and we've been here in Australia, you know, in Adelaide, and we, we jolly well missed it. You know, he's returned in the Philippines and it's been there for months and we haven't known about it. It's not going to be like that, okay? It's not what Jesus is telling us here for. There will be no secret, no hush-hush, no, some people in the know and others not in the know. It won't be like that at all. Have I made that clear? you got that, haven't you? Yeah, verse 23. People tell you, there he is or here he is, do not go running off after them. Verse 24, for the Son of Man, again, Jesus, in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. In other words, there'll be no secret revealing. It's clear and open for everybody. I don't know about you, but but boy, I welcome that day. I mean, I will be so delighted to see Jesus. Won't you? See him return as a conquering hero. Why, why it'd just be oh, it's so wonderful. I can sense it already. And I, actually, I get a sense of that, you know, in worship sometimes, this morning in particular. Get a, get a sense of it's, wow, it's coming, isn't it? To see that he will bring everything to its fullness, everything to be open. No hidden sin, no dark evil, no hiding. He will be fully. And, and visibly in control. Beautiful. No Halloween. That, that, can I say that rotten American tradition that's grabbing hold here? Um, in, in reality, you know, like, let me, let me just digress just for a moment. You know, in reality, it's, it's the acceptance of the occult and evil. Okay, and, and here's, here's my, my thoughts, my, my biblical reflection on this. It, it has no place for a follower of Jesus. Like, I mean, we could go on for this for ages, couldn't we? But, like, I, we should reject it politely and carefully, but with all vigour. Secondly, it's going to be sudden. I, I, I could labour that point, but I'm going to keep moving. Secondly, it could, it's going to be sudden. And, and for some, it will be unexpected. And we can see here that Jesus used the example of the Old Testament stories of Noah and Lot. So just like in the days of Noah where there were people who did not listen to what was coming. Noah was warning them and they ridiculed Noah. Interestingly, 
Both of these are examples of God's judgment on sin. Jesus is telling us that this will burst on humanity like the flood or the destruction of Sodom. And he points out that, that people were going on with their ordinary lives and doing everyday stuff and it caught them unawares. In other words, people are living as if Jesus does not matter and then in one moment the whole world will find out something. And they'll, guess what they'll find out? He does matter. And he, In fact, the, look, this is not a threat. This is a reality. In that sometime, Jesus will come back. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells us that he doesn't even know when this will happen. Only the Father knows. My, my friends, can I encourage you to not spend too much time in speculation on this, but rather in building up one another in love and in faith to do good things in the name of Jesus, to serve the world, to live a life listening to the voice of the Spirit and living out of that. Don't be distracted by times and ends of times. Lastly, this passage coaches us to prepare for what's to come. Obviously, there is no time when the moment comes to make alternate arrangements. It's going to be sudden and no one will have time to change course. Verse 31 is is really quite curious. On that day, no one who is in the housetops with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one who is in the fields should go back for anything. Now, I'm not quite sure why you're not allowed to go. In, there's no going back into the house that's on the no list or going back into the field. Um, maybe I do wonder that, that it infers that you're meant to be spiritually prepared for Jesus to turn up at any moment. Is, is what I read that. It's, it's that his return should be our only focus in the way in which we live our life. Maybe, maybe it's meant to indicate that when Jesus returns, if all we can think about is only our physical belongings, then we are not ready to meet Jesus. Remember, parable of the shrewd manager a couple of weeks ago where he uses the means at his disposal to augment his future. Anything but full focus on Jesus leads to disaster. And then the same with a couple in bed or the two grinding grain. Only your heart can know if you're prepared and no amount of association with somebody else who is prepared will do it. Even a married couple in bed or or close business partners will not be enough to ensure the intimacy that comes from you knowing Jesus for yourself. And I implore you, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, then please do. Please find someone that will explain it to you and find him because he is looking for you, let me tell you. So let me get to the bottom line, and it's from that topsy-turvy saying of Jesus, verse 33. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. In other words, do you reject that which all around you is saying is important and pick up the things of God? Do we choose Jesus over all things? That's the question, a question that is going to have eternal results, everlasting effects. You see, Jesus' work has brought the reality of God into the world and things truly have started to change. Things have begun to alter. There is a subversion movement against evil. 
against darkness and it's working its way out and permeating its way out and one day that will be seen for all that it is. Jesus' return will be an all-embracing return. Some of you can see at this moment some that is shining through the darkness and is finding the lost, caring for the sick and freeing the captives. And on that day it will come to full noise and it will be unmistakable. And let me tell you, with the greatest joy in my heart, we will see no more disease, no more cancer, no more bipolar No more anxiety, imagine that. No more depression, please God. No more medications, no more hospitals, no more family separations, no more brokenness, no more shame, guilt, hiding, no more embarrassment, no more rape or violence or harassment or bias, no more racism. No more but the goodness of God And the way things are always meant to be. My friends, this is not something to be scared about. This is not something to be fearful of. God's got this. God's got you. Trust him. Lean into him. Enjoy him. And look forward to his returning by living now to the best of your ability, serving the world, caring for those around you, and putting your full and utmost focus in Jesus. Let me tell you a story. Really good friend of mine, back in the 80s, bought a really old-fashioned, cool Morris Minor with the round guards. Okay, it was all it was like these little bubbles. And he loved that Morris Minor. He, he stripped it back by hand, every bit of it, the whole thing. Sanded it all back, had it all professionally sprayed. He's quite a mechanic. He repaired it all himself, bit by bit, in his dad's shed, Bit by bit by bit, put it all back together again, uh, put these really cool fat tyres on it. It was cherry red. It was a beautiful, what a beautiful car. He drove it around for three months. It was the pride and the joy of his life, and it was worthy of, of his pride. It was delightful. One day, he lived in rural Tassie. One day, he was taking one of the many billions of corners that are in Tassie, And something happened. Instead of a a quality bolt in the steering arm, instead of a high tensile steel bolt in the steering arm, he used a mild steel bolt by mistake. And he turned the corner and the bolt sheared and he hit the corner at incredible speed and he wrote the car off. And for years... That car stayed in his father's shed and he never touched it again. Eventually, he sold it and somebody else has got it. My friends, there there are essential elements in our life. Put the right component in your life. Don't don't put second-rate wrong parts in the bits that matter the most. Only put Jesus in the centre and he will steer you correctly.
Let me say a prayer. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you. You are, you are good to us. And you have a plan for our life, and that's an ultimate plan for our life. A plan of fullness and hope. A, a plan that ultimately will, will wrap up with you coming and, and claiming everything as rightfully your own. You've earned it. It's yours. In fact, you've double earned it. And so we surrender our wills to yours, our lives to yours. And we surrender our fear and our anxiety, our worries about what's going to happen in the future to you. And we choose to trust on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the end of that passage, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, where, where will this happen? Well, how is this going to happen? And Jesus has this curious phrase, where the dead bodies are, the vultures will gather, or the eagles will gather. Uh, it's, a, it's a colloquial phrase saying something like um, what we would say, where there's smoke, there's fire. In other words, uh, have a look and see. It should be pretty obvious to you. I think he was pointing to himself and saying, look at me. It's going to happen. My friends, go without fear to know and to love our great Lord in this beautiful world that he's made. Amen. Well, my friends, thank you for uh, joining us online. Listen, uh, I'd love to know if, uh, if you're taking this. Please, please let us know. Please reach out. There's a host on. Uh, but um, you can flick us an email, whatever, connect with us. We'd love to know where you're taking this from. From hearing these reports of people right across the country, New South Wales, Queensland, people in the country, South Australia, Tassie taking this. Reach out to us, let us know, let me know. I'd, I'd love to connect with you. And if you're in South Australia, particularly let me know because uh, I'd love to come and visit. My friends, go in peace to love and to serve our great God. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.